You're listening to Surly Talk Sport. Brought to you by Sky Sport now. How good, Surly here back for another week in the crease talking you through all the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports. It was a famous win for the Warriors last Friday back in the winner's circle with a much needed two points and I must say by week this week she just does take a bit of sting out of the weekend's action ahead. There's still plenty of great sporting clashes to sink the teeth into though and of course a grouse weekend of sport from last week to review as well. And speaking of the weekend just been, she was actually a quiet one for me. Post Magic Round, I decided to lay low, park up on the couch, watch the Warriors on the Friday, the Blues on the Saturday, and then some bricky biffs, Carlos Olberg on the Sunday morning. So fair to say I'm feeling quite fresh, not a drop of booze. Body is a temple type stuff, not quite shredded out of my mind like Sonny Bill, but feeling in a similar mindset. And that has the stage set for a decent shift this weekend no doubt Coat taking on Helensville Grassroots Coat up in the Ville maybe a cheeky little pub crawl couple stops on the way home get a couple Waitakere daiquiris and a few Darren Froffiers in me nothing better post hopefully a big dub but on today's show as always we'll be talking all things NRL some super rugby the weekly wrap featuring plenty of NBA chat as the playoffs continue to deliver plus of course we've got the Q&A to wrap her up before we call it a day shout out as always to the legends at Sky Sport now for their continued support of the show they help keep the lights on here at Surly HQ if you're not already a Sky customer make sure you check them out and support those that support us head to www.skysportnow.co.nz or download the app on your smart tv or phone sign yourself up and unlock access to all of the sky sport channels plus your espn you'll also get sports documentaries highlights pay-per-view events everything you need as a sports frother nothing you don't plus Discount code alert, she still applies. Type in that code SURLY10 for 10% off at checkout. That'll make the annual pass cost less than a dollar a day. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a heck of a deal. World Cups galore coming up. Got the netball, the cricket, the rugby, the women's football. That's on our shores here in Aotearoa very shortly. Plus, you got the NBA, NRL, EPL, F1, golf, Super Rugby, UFC, whatever it is that floats your boat, tickles your fancy. It's all on Sky Sport now. So get yourself in the mixer. It really is the home of sports streaming here in New Zealand. But without further ado, let's rip into this week's show. Kick her off, talking some rugby league. Strap yourself in. How good. 
Round 11 done and dusted and finally a weekend in God's game where all the favourites won. Zero upset, she took long enough but we got there in the end and in terms of key results for me there were four games that really got the tongues wagging so let's kick her off by ripping into those. The first one, Storm getting the win at home over the Broncos last Thursday in your Thursday night footy game of course 24 points to 16 and that was despite some bizarre refereeing which has now seen the ref and the bunker official both dropped from officiating games this weekend and this has made extra interesting for me because this is the same ref and bunker duo that one New Zealand CEO the great man our fearless leader Jason Paris ripped into a week or so back of course he had a shocker for us against the Panthers now he's put on this display and you have to wonder if the noise Paris made casted a bit more of a light on these two performances maybe that's weighed into this decision the refereeing in this game truly was poor and it robbed us of what could have been an amazing clash again they robbed us in the Panthers game, then they robbed us in this one, so good to see the NRL hold these referees accountable. Of course, they're only human. They have tough days at work as well, but again, you just got to wonder if our boy has had a big factor on these calls. Mentioned last week, I thought this game would be a great indication as to where the Broncos are at this year, whether they're just flat track bullies because they've had a favourable draw to start, or whether they're actually a team worthy of sitting atop of the table. And for me, I thought this was a great display and I think I mentioned last week as well, I thought they were flat trackers, Melbourne too good and I think we're really going to see this Broncos side drop away over the coming weeks. They've been hit with an injury, then they've got Origin coming up so they're going to lose a few key players. You just got to wonder, last year they went through a similar patch where they had a hot start, then they really dropped away. I don't think it'll be as dramatic. I do see them sitting in the top eight and playing finals footy come the end of the year. But for me, there's still not a top four side, which I think they tricked many punters into believing with the way they kicked off 2023. Next up, and this is another team that certainly had people fooled in the preseason. The Roosters once again pounded into the core of the earth by Penrith. 48 points to 4 they went down at the foot of the mountain with Ivan's men bashing the boys from Bondi. And I really can't work this Chooks team out. Sound like a broken record. Every week I say I expect them to be contenders. I actually had them in the preseason to win the comp. 68 points to 10. They've lost their last two games to the Cowboys and the Panthers. That is shocking stuff. And to add salt to the wound as well, Joey Manu, one of the game's genuine hot boys, he's now out for the next few weeks. No Sammy Walker to come in for him as well. He's done a knee ligament, so he's loading up on fish oil. So it's panic stations for roosters. And geez, their fans, they can't cop a loss very well. They're even calling for Trent Robinson, the poor man's robbo, to get the sack, which does seem a little extreme to me given all he's achieved. Of course, there was chat that he's right up there with the top coaches in our game and I truly believe he is but I must admit they're going to need to hit their straps very soon typically they're slow starters but I think that excuse is gone now we're 11 weeks into the competition you can't blame the roster they've assembled absolutely stacked fair to say the cheese hasn't quite delivered on the high hopes is that all his fault I'm not quite sure but now they need to put it out onto the park and justify those massive salaries that they are paying again truly can't work them out 
Do I back them to beat the Dragons this week? I'm not so sure. Then jumping over to a team that looks like they've hit their straps, and that's the Cowboys. Could they be back? They're starting to put together a nice little stretch of games. 44 points to 22, they got the win over the Dragons. And yes, it's only a Red V side who really do suck at the moment, but that's two good wins for them on the trot, and they now look to be finding some of that 2022 form. Still with guys like Jason Taumalolo, old Taumalaho, to come back into the side as well and the key for me has been Hylam Luka, old Helium the balloon, he's playing his part, lifting them back up into top 8 contention, a huge performance from him and if you had that bloke in your fantasy side over the weekend she was happy days, probably led you to a head to head victory as well and there's always been big raps on this bloke, there was many saying he's actually more talented than Jeremiah Nanai, Nanai he's got the starts over the last couple years because Luki was unluki with injuries so it's good to see him out there on the park now displaying his talents two tries 192 meters off 14 carries six tackle breaks two line breaks 21 tackles for zero misses that's a top shelf shift a true rugby league handful and he's now got chins wagging as well as a possible origin bolter for 2023 a shame he's eligible for Queensland but he looks every bit the real deal, the helium balloon, Hylam Lukey. And then, of course, the final game I wanted to highlight, and this is where we go into our weekly deep dive, so strap yourself in, Warriors fans, with the Mighty Wars getting a 24 points to 12 win on your Friday night footy over the Doggies in what was a great performance from our lads and a huge first 40 set us up to take home two key points up 18 nil at oranges we were all over the bankstown bulldogs we finished the game with an 81 completion rate again great to see the boys finishing their sets at a high clip wasn't all sunshine and rainbows though i think we definitely took our foot off the throat in the second half and one thing we can take on this game as a work on is definitely our defence. We made 350 tackles but missed 55 of them. In comparison, the Dogs, they also made 350 but missed 22 less. 55 missed, that's the second highest we've totaled this year. Interesting enough too, our highest was last week against the Panthers. That's 109 tackles missed in two games. For me, that comes down to fatigue. The boys have been up against the ropes the past month has been a treacherous draw we've been jumping back and forth over the Tasman three games in 11 days you know the drill so you put it down to fatigue this bye very much welcomed and you just have to think our defence this year has been a massive point of improvement and our wins earlier we only missed 16 tackles against the Cows 26 against the Sharkies so you get my point not saying it's an issue for us but again just a small blemish that's appeared over the last couple weeks something to work on from what was a great win some standouts for me key performers again you could name the whole side but I've picked out a few Adam Fenor Blake has to be right up there as one of the best props in the game at the moment in fact I'd put him right in the top two entrenched in fact alongside old Payne and the Haas the Brisbane big bopper He's tied for our top try scorer this year with Kossi on five. He's now scored four meaties in the last five weeks. Love seeing those try celebrations too. The old, are you not entertained? Is that all you've got to offer? I'm doing this for fun kind of thing. He's provided.
exciting hissing value for all of us as well that continue to punt on him got him at sixes last weekend happy days in this game though got through 12 runs 162 run meters 78 PCMs from the Tongan Terra. You love that. 32 tackles for only the one miss. And he also had an average play the ball speed of 2.82 seconds. That's one Mississippi to Mississippi, and he's up and gone. You're guaranteed a quick play the ball every time he carries a huge momentum shifter, just an absolute wrecking ball through the middle. And you really notice when the big fella isn't on the park. Another standout, Chance Nickel Clock start again. Safe as houses, in fact. He should start a new mortgage brokerage. Chance chartered mortgages. I would trust my house with him any day of the week, and I can guarantee he'd offer you a better rate than all the banks at the moment. 210 run meters, 59 PCMs, our second highest behind Adam. Four tackle breaks, four kicks diffused or KDs as I like to call them and again every time a nudge goes up you know he'll be there working his ass off to get it on the full or in the end goal defuse the situation he's one of the most trusty blokes going around in the NRL it's also his work in our own sets which we'll touch on shortly coming up when I highlight a couple more players but he's always good for two or three carries out of our end and he always beats a couple defenders too as highlighted by those tackle breaks. Our back three, our OBs, they've been exceptional working out of their own end. There were numerous sets where we start with the ball on our goal line and by tackle three we're almost up to halfway and that was thanks to some massive carries by Chans, Dell and Marcelo. What a shift from all three of them and I don't know if Webby's been showing them Carmichael Hunt highlights pre-games but certainly none of them have a handbrake in their duffel. They just carry so hard. They know exactly who to carry at. Often going at that first defender around the ruck. They get us easy meters and I just love watching the momentum they kickstart our sets with. They combine for 547 meters between them. 12 tackle breaks four each and only two errors. In fact, Dallin and Chans, they were error free, which is pretty unreal considering the amount of work and the high pressure situations they get put into on last tackles, etc. Speaking of last tackles, Sean Johnson, he is kicking the skin off the stead in 771 kick meters on 24 nudges with two force dropouts. He leads the comp by a country mile in kicking stats and our goal line drop kick retrieval rate continues to be exceptional. The bloke has them on a string at the moment. Maybe his junior and high school footy experience for Oriwa and the Dale. That's shining through now. Like to think he picked up a few pointers from the opposite first five in myself during our battles over the year. If that's the case, you're welcome, SJ. But it's just great to know every line dropout. We have that 10 meter short droppy in our game. Good to see guys like. Like Pompey, Marcelo, etc. Getting up, elevating, batting them back. It can be a huge pressure reliever when we can get the footy back off the short dropouts. Fair to say, SJ, he's putting them on a dime 
every time. I also thought his half partner, Ron, the incredible Volk, he was really good. He scored that try, a great individual effort, and I was stoked to see him dot down for a meaty. He had two tackle breaks, 89 kick meters, and they were great nudges when SJ was either pressured or in the tackle. He really stood up in that department, and it just highlighted how good it is to have a genuine kicking option there in the sixth jersey. And then, of course, you further combo that up with the fact he played through a fractured finger, his bone was poking out through the skin, that's some great toughness from the young fella, showing he's every bit a warrior and really putting some mana in that sex jersey, so well done to the kid, a great shift after he's been ripping and tearing for New South Wales Cup. Also wanted to highlight our second rowers, Joshy Kaza, the mulleted man, 80 run metres, 44 tackles, outdone only by our skip, Tohu Harris, he scored a meaty, and of course, him and SJ, they seem to have developed a great combo over the last couple weeks, he loves dropping him back on a cut for a try, this time he dotted one down off a delicate little nudge from the Prince of Penrose, just great to see Curran out there getting good minutes and enjoying his footy and now you really got to start asking that question does he deserve to trot out each week in the starting 13 ahead of Jackson Ford good problems to have for Webby and co of course in him we trust he'll make the right call but well done to JC another great shift Marata Niakore unreal again the security he brings on D is just huge for us and I think he's brought out the best in Sean in that aspect as well SJ's defending unreal I have no doubt that's because he's got Marata outside him just absolutely snapping blokes screw running into him he will make you hurt and then of course Tohu our skipper and I know he's playing lock but I'll chuck him in the second rower category as well 20 carries for 162 meters two tackle breaks four dummies I love that from Skip that was a game high Harris Houdini type of stuff just toying with the opposition shows his ball playing ability and then 48 tackles defensively for just two misses that's his bread and butter lockdown Tohu you gotta love it what a bloke are skippers. So overall, a great team effort off the back of what has been an extremely taxing month-long period. That first half in particular, like I mentioned, it was unreal. We were all over them and we looked every bit of top four side, which just goes to show when the ref isn't a refer, we can mix and mingle it with the best in the comp. And I thought Ben Cummins was really good too. You got to tip your hat to him. We got a few fortunate calls in the first half. I thought a couple went our way, which was nice to see he also called a couple against us too which I think were correct decisions found myself agreeing with the majority of his calls we won the penalty count four to three lost the ruck infringement count two to four so overall a pass mark from Beacom I thought he good, did a good job and again shout out to Jason Paris for keeping the refs in check as well no coincidence for me that we finally get a decent referee so bye week really has come at a great time a chance to rest and repair and we go again next weekend in Napier against a hopefully origin depleted Broncos side in fact we have a great little five week stretch coming up we've got the bye this week Broncos the flat track bullies next week without the likes of your Paddy Carrigan, Reese Walsh, Payne Haas, Flegler, Curdy Capes. So they're right for the picking. Then we've got the Finns at Go Media Stadium, Mount Smart. The Raiders at the Milking Station. And then another buy. So two buys in five weeks. you got to love that. 
Don't know what I'm going to do with myself this weekend. No wires on the tally. Even team naming Tuesday didn't feel the same. But it is what it is. The boys are thankful for the break. So you cop that and on we march. Also great to see in New South Wales Cup, Lukey Metcalf, he returns successfully with the right hamstring getting through 41 minutes in a 14-all draw with the Doggies. Scored a try, four tackle breaks, one line break, 64 run metres, 12 tackles for just the one miss as well. So the rotator cuffs got through their work. 262 kick metres, the bloke was just easing back in, playing the conductor role and looking sharp too. So that was great signs, maybe round 14, we see him back, unfortunately the cup team has a bye this week as well. For me though, almost have to give Ron another crack, of course he played through that injury, scored a meat, he put in a good performance. I don't know what they do. Either way, though, it is a great problem to have. And, of course, to Marty Martin, he is back in about three or four weeks' time. So a quick little injury ward update for you, actually. May as well run through them, because that was a good segue. Back for the Broncos game, we're due to get Jacko Ford, Braden Villiame, Ronald Volkman. He will recover from that finger. And then, of course, Lukey Met. He's available for selection. Back for the Finns the week after. Huge news. Mitchie Barnett after being cleared to return post a visit to the specialist what a boost he will be and then Raiders the week after to Maide Martin he is scheduled to return then of course all of these could be delayed a little further we've been showing this year we have that approach with caution type of mentality then we've got Kossi he's due back round 16 from that knee and then Jazz Tavanga he's targeting round 17 to 18 with that baby cow strain so how good is that all aboard, plenty of rigs to come back in the mixer, and this team is just going to elevate and go from strength to strength, we're still going great guns at the moment, two points this week, we'll be well and truly back in that top eight mixer, but plenty of quality footballers to trot back out on the paddock, couple home games, a couple buys to come, exciting times for Warriors fans, and boy can I not wait for the second half of the season which leads us through to this week and of course she's indigenous round round 12 in the NRL it is a shame we're not playing in the indigenous round of course being the only Kiwi side in the competition we will celebrate that next week though against the Bronx in Napier and I believe we'll be wearing our indigenous jersey as well which is scheduled to drop before the end of the week but tonight you got your Thursday night footy with the Broncos taking on the Panthers at Suncorp Stadium she's second versus third on the ladder the flat track bullies up against the defending premiers thought this was going to be a great game of course it is at Suncorp as the Broncos they only appear to play games there this year pretty crazy stuff but unfortunately their star seven Adam Reynolds he's been ruled out for this game and that is a massive blow for me I would have tipped the Panthers anyway to be too strong they put in a huge performance last week and Jerome Luai boy did he really stand up and stake his claim for origin selection so I think the lads Ivan Cleary's men will be too good especially with without Adam Reynolds, I see the Panthers winning this one fairly comfortably. Friday night footy, you get treated to a double header with the Dragons taking on the Roosters, and then Para 
taking on the Bunnies. Of course, no Anthony Griffin for the Red V. He's no longer at the helm. Got the sack earlier in the week, which was always bound to happen. Of course, they got pumped by the Cowboys last week in Benny Hunt's 300th game, and that was probably the final straw. Factor that in, they lost to the Tigers the week before, sitting tied for the wooden spoon at the moment. That is definitely not good enough. I don't think it's all Griffin's fault, though. The club itself is in an absolute shambles. Two wins from 10 games. They almost need to strip the place bare, start from scratch, and I'm really interested to see what happens with Benny Hunt next year. Of course, he came out earlier in the season, said he loves Griffin, and that if he was given the sack, he would contemplate walking as well. Lots of rumours. Uncle Wayne Bennett, a bloke that Benny Hunt loves playing under, is chucking the checkbook at him to join the Redcliffe Finns next year. So keep an eye on that story as it develops. Could be something in that. I tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised here if they lift and get the win pull off the upset against the Chocks. We see it so often in sport. The coach gets marched. The team responds for a dub. So keep an eye on this game. I think the result, she's far from a Craig Fitzgibbon. Two sides with a pretty strong rivalry as well. And then following that, Bunnies versus Eels, like I mentioned, 1 versus 14 on the ladder, with the Bunnies proving to be the team to beat so far. Eight wins from their 11 games in 2023. Six dubs on the trot. They got players in form all over the paddock and then you got Parramatta they've been battling a little but they do welcome back Mitchie Moses from that week layoff with brain cell depletion so that's a massive in for them boy did they miss him last week and this is a team also much like the Chooks that really needs to start hitting their straps and putting together some strong performances or else they could find themselves not playing footy come that September October period. Super Saturday Barnstormer alert. Fins versus the Storm. Sixth versus fifth with the Fins coming in fresh off the bye ready to rip and tear. Wayne Bennett versus Craig Bellamy. It doesn't get any bigger in the coach's box. Disappointing to see Uncle Wayne not give old Val Meninga another crack in the centres. Brinko Lee, he's come back in to take his spot and personally I'm not a huge fan of Brinko so I'd love to see old Valen Stefari get another trot. The human free but it's not to be an absolute coach killer for all of us on fantasy. Interesting to see as well, Craig Bellamy just re-signed for another year. There was lots of chat from him himself that he was going to call it a day. He said guys like Munster and co though convinced him to stay. So no doubt he'll be fired up to lead the Storm to another final series and his lads will be looking to lift to honour the great man. So this is a huge game. The Dolphins always a tricky side to beat, especially at home at Suncorp. So strap yourself in for that one. And then Super Sunday to round her out. I think this is going to be a goodie as well. The Raiders taking on the Gulls with the Green Machine looking to go six straight. Manly, they've lost the last three. They've been a real mixed bag, a true lolly scramble. They welcome back Jakey Travojevic though. So no doubt he'll be looking to fold blokes left, right and centre. And this really is the last chance for Tommy Turbo to silence the critics and show that he is origin ready. We're just under two weeks away now. Plenty weighing in, saying he doesn't look fit to play. So no doubt a big shift from the old walking sky remote. So those are my highlighted games for this week. Of course, no Warriors clash, so they miss out, but i got to sneak some Warriors news in. And of course, it broke earlier this week that Mount Smart Stadium, the fortress, it has been renamed to Go Media Stadium Mount Smart or Let's Go Stadium. As I saw a friend of the show, Vintage Jackson, rightly dub it 
earlier in the week. Auckland Stadiums, they signed a naming rights deal for Mount Smart. So good to see Go Media getting in on the bandwagon. They know a good deal when they see one. And that's some eyes up footy from them. For me though, she's always going to be Mount Smart or the Fortress. And I did do a quick little Google. It appears Fortress Plumbing. They might have missed a real opportunity here. It literally could have been Fortress Mount Smart Stadium, which would have been great fizz. And I think that would have got bums on seats as well. But it is what it is. Shout out to Go Media. I see a few people saying that the Warriors, they're money hungry this year. This has nothing to do with the Wars. So keep those opinions to yourself. This is an Auckland Stadium thing. Of course, Moana Pacifica, the All Blacks, they both have games coming up there. So this is just a business decision on their behalf. We roll with it. But she's still Mount Smart. Other big news this week in the World of Rugby League. It's a possibility that the Rugby League World Cup will be coming here in 2025. And when news of this broke, I was absolutely ecstatic. Can't think of a better place to have it. Go Media Mount Smart. That would be the great host for the pool play games. Then you chuck the finals games at Eden Park. There is talk that it will be a joint venture between the Aussies. But I think it would be great to flick them off and just host it here at the home of Rugby League. Imagine a New Zealand Tonga, Tonga Samoa, New Zealand Australia, any type of those games, semi-finals footy. The atmosphere would be insane, and I think the public, the Kiwi Rugby League fans, would really get behind it. Huge Pacific Island communities here as well. So I think the hype around that tournament would be second to none. And then, of course, can't ignore it. Many people have, especially Fox League, but got to quickly talk about it. Old mate Paul Kent arrested on domestic violence charges earlier in the week. And for me, this has been a real shame how Fox and NRL 360 in particular have handled this news. Of course, it's currently before the courts, and I'm a big believer in that innocent until proven guilty. But I think Brayton Astor, he literally gave a five-second statement saying Kenty was away for personal reasons. Fox, they haven't addressed the matter themselves. A bit more accountability could have been had, one would think. Just a little statement saying that old mate Paul has been arrested. It's pending charge and they won't comment until there is a verdict but they don't support his actions something like that would have been a bit more appropriate for me instead they went the old head under the rug just sweep her under there ignore it and hopefully it blows past their social media comments on every post shows that this generation won't stand for any of that. So for me, this was poor form from Fox League and NRL 360. And of course, we'll be monitoring this story closely. Doesn't sound like a good situation for Kenty, though. A 33-year-old woman accusing him of domestic violence. Not a good look for the game. And a bloke in particular that is very quick to call out the actions of players and broadcast that all over the world. So stay tuned as this story unfolds. I'm sure it's far from the last we've heard of this. And then finally, just wanted to wrap up the old rugby league segment. Of course, State of Origin, like I mentioned, she's just under two weeks away, 31st of May. That last Wednesday of the month is when we kick her off. Wanted to run through my origin sides. Give you a quick little 1-17 to 17 for both New South Wales and Queensland with the teams being named this weekend Sunday after the last game I believe. They then go into camp next week. They'll all be unavailable for next weekend's games. And then of course trot out on the Wednesday and a lot of players will back up and play that week after. So again, we cop the Bronx at the perfect time. But everyone's naming their origin sides. 
I thought I'd chuck my two cents in as well. For the Mighty Blues, the team that's going to win the 2023 series and do so comfortably in a 3-0 sweep at the back and at skipper. I have the great man, the Italian stallion, James Tedesco in the two jersey, Bizza, Brian Toto, the PCM machine, what a wrecking ball he is in the centres, I have Trally Mitt Dassett in the three jersey, and then in the four, I went with Tommy Turbo, and this is an interesting one for me, and a lot of it does come down to whether Josh Adokar can hit his straps this weekend, of course he's named to play, many of the experts have him named on the wing, if you're going to use the argument though, that Tommy Turbo doesn't look ready. I find it hard to just chuck Ado Car back in, given he hasn't played any football as of right now. And saying that though, if he hits his straps and goes great guns, then I would chuck Campbell Graham in the centre jersey. For now though, haven't seen the Fox trot out there, so I'll go with Tommy Turbs. Then in the five, on the wing, I went with that man Campbell Graham. Green eggs and ham, said Campbell Graham. Five tries in two games on the wing for Aussie, so he has had a bit of a experience there he's worn the green and gold at the highest level international football so you got to give him his origin debut one of the form players of the competition this year speaking of form players in the six I went with Nico Hotboy Hines and look Jerome Luai he played unreal on the weekend no doubt about it really put his hand up and for a lot of people I see your James Hoopers, your Paul Gallons, etc. That was enough to pencil him back in. But for me, you just can't go past the 2022 Dally M winner. He's been the form half of 2023, and I think you really need to reward that because what else can the bloke do if he misses out realistically? If the Blues had won the series last year, I think different story. You stick with the incumbent of Luai. Unfortunately, we didn't. So in comes Nicholas Michael Hines for me to wear the six and the seven Nathan Cleary probably the first name that you pencil in the people's chin and what a halves combo those two will form then in the pack in the eight jersey Payne Haas an absolute monster stuff tackling that and the nine Damien Cook went with the beach flags champ to get the start with old Uppy on the bench and the ten Jakey Turbo the king of snap and this bloke's born for origin he'll tackle everything that moves and he'll do so with a massive smile on his face and rip your hiss and thumbs up post game as well an absolute workhorse second rowers Liam Martin and Cam Murray and then in the 13 Isaiah Yo again another guaranteed automatic selection then off the bench mentioned I have Uppy in the 14 Junior Bolo in the 15 off the pine the big fella then in the 16 I've chucked in another Tongan terror Homole Olakuatu to make his debut and then also joining him last name on the Rimu Hudson Young the Canberra star I think you got to chuck him in and give him a crack playing some great code for Ricky Stewart and I thought he must have gone bloody close last year as well won't let you down off the Rimu my eight. 18th man, I had Maddie Burden purely just because he can cover all sorts of positions, centre, in the halves, could play in the second row at an absolute stretch or even on the sting, he's also got that Birdo bomb in his arsenal, if he comes on late he can just chuck up a couple chalky dips for old KP and co and that could really terrorise the Queenslanders, plus 
Last year he got in a biff, he got rolled a bit by Dane Gagai, perhaps he wants a bit of redemption. See you chuck the old Birdo bomb back in. Then for the Queenslanders, 18 absolute losers, scum of the earth, and they're going to get flogged by New South Wales, but I went with KP at the back, he was back to his best on the weekend, the incumbent just gets origin footy, I think that series from him last year truly did get the Maroons over the line, Walshy going great guns, but I think you just stick with Kayla. And Ponga. Then on the wings, went with the hammer and Salwyn Cobbo. I think Cobbo will be there for sure. Plenty of chat around Xavier Coates as well. I just love what the hammer brings incredibly quick, ripping it up for Redcliffe. And I think he deserves a crack. In the centres, Val Holmes and Dane Gagai. Old Gags, he has to be the only player in the rugby league who can be average all season. Then come the game's biggest stage. Looks like an absolute superstar. In the halves, Cammy Munster and the people's neck. DCE. Those two pick themselves. Your props, Josh Papali'i and Tino Fa'asua Malawi with Benny Hunt running the cutter in that hooker role. And I tell you what, bet he can't wait to get into Origin Camp and finally be surrounded by some decent footballers. Then in the second row, Curdy Capewell and Finn Diesel for Lise Kafusi with Patrick Kerrigan in the locking role. Born leader, loves the bright lights, incredibly handsome too. Maybe he can take a bit of a shine off that Nico Hines. They can and battle each other for best looking bloke on the park but he ticks every box then off the Rimu Harry Grant the wizard in the 14 with Ruben Cotter and Jai Arrow who does his best work in origin on and off the field loves a VB and a Zumba instructor and he'll add some fizz off the Rimu and then also David Fafida to round him out having a career year for me probably would start him but it doesn't make much sense shifting Curdy Capewell to the pine Fafida he'll offer more impact off the bench he can cover the centres as well at a stretch or you could chuck him in the middle to truck some nut and then in the 18 jersey I had young Reese Lightning I think he deserves to be lacing up on origin night any bad injuries concussions and he will come into the clash hopefully old Flegler he's in the mix as well so he doesn't play against the mighty Waz tried to pick every Brisbane player I could as well just to keep that Warriors factor in so they don't make the trip over to Napier so there you have it my two sides for origin in about two weeks time but of course round 12 is the main focus for this weekend all games available to watch live or on demand on Sky Sport now Sky Sport 4 is the channel to tune into so make sure you sink your teeth into all the rugby league action despite the Wars not playing she's still gonna be a doozy God's game it always delivers Jumping over to the 15-man code and there were two huge results last week that dominated the headlines from what was a pretty entertaining round 12 of Super Rugby. I mentioned I think this competition, she's finally coming to life. Only three rounds left in the regular season, so you'd certainly hope so. And I think Friday night's game was a timely reminder between the Chiefs and the Reds that on any given night, the underdog, they can piss on the parade of these top teams, pull off the upset and really set a cat amongst the pigeons and that is exactly what the Reds did rocking up to Taranaki and taking home the chocolates 25 points to 22 the Reds gave the Mana men their first loss of the season ending that impressive winning streak and leaving them tied with the Crusaders side from 2002 for the longest winning run in Super Rugby history 11 on the trot they couldn't make it 12 and you've got to take your hat off to the Reds as well I certainly didn't give them any chance but they rocked up 
executed their game plan to precision, kicked for territory, plugged corners, turned the Chiefs around and made them attack from deep in their own half. They backed their D not to miss many tackles, which they didn't. They made 169 of them, which is a nice number, and missed only 15. That's Tohu Harris-like on D. So well done to Brad Thorne's blokes. It's their first win on New Zealand soil in 10 years as well, so a bit of history for the boys from Brizzy. For the Chiefs, yes, it was their second string side, and you could argue if they'd rolled out all the big dogs, they wouldn't have had any problems in putting this side away. They still had some huge names out there on the park, though, particularly in that back line. Unfortunately, I thought Damian McKenzie probably had his worst game of the season so far, and it just looked like overall, as a team, they failed to hit their straps. And saying that, though, I did think towards the end they were going to steal the victory, put together 22 phases hot on the Reds line. Again, credit to their D, managed to hold them out. Interesting though, I thought Paul Williams, he played multiple advantages there. The Chiefs didn't really go anywhere. And then once they got held up, he blew full time. I expected him to blow a penalty. Maybe we go to Golden Point and the result is a little different. You still can't complain though and take nothing away from the Reds. They certainly deserved to get the dub. The other big result of the weekend, of course, came from that bums on seats game of the week on your Saturday night with the Cruisers defending their home turf in front of 17,000 patriotic and one-eyed Crusaders fans. Boy, do I hate losing to these blokes. 15 points to three, she finished up against the mighty Blues and it was two tries to nil. She was a physical and intense encounter but it was hardly an excitement fest for mutual fans of the game anyway or for lovers of points for that matter. Not sure when the last time was the Blues were held scoreless but that was a tough pill to swallow and in the end the better side definitely came away with the points on the night. So again, all you can do, tip the hat. There's a lot of hat tipping this weekend, but full credit to Razor's men as he notches up another win against his arch nemesis in Leon McDonald. Some key takeaways for me. Thought the Crusaders, they dominated possession all night long, finished with 61% and forced the Blues to make 72 more tackles. And as a result, they missed double the amount of the Crusaders as well, with the Blues only making two visits into the Crusaders' 22 throughout the whole game. That's a pretty crazy stat considering the attacking threats the Blues possess. They just couldn't apply any pressure or hold on to the pill for long phases during the game. Full credit to the Blues, they gave it their best, they tackled their piece off all night long and you certainly can't question the heart or desire on display. One thing you can question though is the tactics and this comes back to that inability to string together phases and get into the opposition 22. The game plan they took into this game, whether it was purely just Bowden Barrett pulling the strings, running his own cutter and making his own calls, or whether it was Leon McDonald who mapped out this plan during the week and Bodie was just executing it. But boy, did we kick away a shit ton of ball for zero reason, aimless kicking, especially in that first half. She was like a shit game of force back, and for me, this is exactly what's making rugby a tough watch at the moment. The fact that teams are just willing to hoof the ball down the middle of the park, have a kicking duel with nothing really being achieved for the next couple minutes. I don't understand it at all at times and this was certainly one of those nights you'd have to think if they were to do this with the Chiefs or a team that's just stacked with attacking flair from the back you're just gifting opposition chances to counter attack and tear to shreds so hopefully this was just a one-off thing 
from the Mighty Blues. There were a few moments of controversy too, which we have to touch on with one of the two Crusaders tries coming from a knock-on. And before you start, Crusaders fans, even your assistant coach and friend of the show, Jimmy Marshall, he admitted that Big to Mighty Williams knocked it on post that Dalton shot on Richie Moe. So there's no way that try should have stood. In saying that though, what a finish from Leicester flying Arnuku. A highlight moment of the game for me. He loves getting vertical and it's impressive to see the big fella have that level of athleticism. He must have been a menace in primary school gymnastics. So based on that finish alone, I'm willing to let it go. Don't think that try being awarded changed the outcome of the match too much because the Crusaders were a better side. And also speaking of that tackle, that was a key moment for sure with Kelly Dalton's getting shown a yellow and then a red as a a result of the TMO review. Was it malicious? Fergalicious? I don't think so. And that was clear with Dolts going over to shake Richie's hand on his way to the bin, checking he was okay. A quick little, how you doing? Clearly no bad blood, but in saying that, it was probably the right call. And as a result, he's been given three weeks in rugby union parole, so he'll miss the remainder of the regular season. A huge loss for the boys from the City of Sales, and a pretty harsh punishment, I thought. Glad Richie Moza, he's okay. But it is what it is in today's game, unfortunately. He was dipping down, copped the shoulder to the head. Three of the best. Got to cop it on the chin. Again, I think pretty harsh though. In the end, Crusaders deserved winners. They leapfrogged the Blues into fourth on the ladder. They're looking every bit of championship caliber side. And they now have some key rigs back on deck peaking at the perfect time. They're not a side you'll want to play come finals footy, and if the comp was to finish today, they would be taking on the Chiefs in a semi-final in the Tron. That, for me, should be the final based off form, so I actually hope they continue to climb the ladder, avoid having to meet each other a week earlier. I do think the Cruisers, they will end up finishing in third, though, so hopefully that shouldn't be an issue. Looking ahead to this week, round 12, got three Kiwi sides in action on your Friday night with Moana hosting the Crusaders 7.05 kickoff on Sky Sport 1 and that'll actually be the christening game at Go Media Stadium Mount Smart thinking it could be a cricket score and saying that Moana did show up against the Cruisers down in Christchurch a couple weeks back so perhaps they fancy their chances then following that a huge game, Bloods vs Crips, the Reds vs the Blues and the second of your Friday night footy fizzes over in Brizzy, and a few weeks ago, I would have said this would be an easy dub for the Blues, but that win last week from the Reds has certainly made this more of an interesting watch. It's not going to be easy to trot over there and come away with the win. And for the Blues, there's been six changes made to the side that trotted out there last week. The key ones being Akira. He gets the start in the six. It's still bizarre for me that they didn't start him last week in game 100. But hey, is what it is. Sammy Nock, he gets the nod at nine with Finlay Christie getting an all-black rest week in. Harry Plummer. Keeps the 12 jersey somehow and he'll be partnered with old Bryce Heem on the steam with Rico also having a rest. And then AJ Lamb, he gets the nod in the 11 jersey. Caleb Clark also on ice. Maybe he was dropped for a poor performance. Maybe it's all black rest. We will never know. Great to see on the bench though in Jersey 22, RTS, he has been named. Plenty of chat around the possibility of an early release for the King of Calves, but maybe he can make the most of this opportunity and continue 
continue to press for what seems to be like a pretty unlikely all-black selection now. Come home, Roger. We're the four jersey at the Waz for the rest of the season and help lead us to our first premiership. Boy, would that be grouse. Super Saturday though, triple header with the Landers hosting the Rebels, 10th first 11th, 4.35pm, set the Arvo footy at the Sistema. Pity this is a bit of a poo slinger, but it is what it is. Landers, desperate for the win, sitting in second to last with only three wins from 11 games. She's Aaron Smith, old nuggy, second to last game at home as well. So hopefully they can give him a little bit of a send off. And this would be a much needed win to keep their slim playoff hopes alive. Boy, are they getting desperate. And then following that, game of the round for me. Chiefs versus the Canes in the Tron. 7.05pm kickoff with some interesting news emerging from Swirls Camp. It appears Artie and Geordie, they will be rested. Not confirmed as of yet because I'm recording this before team naming Thursday. But if that is the case, it's a bold tactic from Plums and Co. Perhaps they're waving the white flag here, banking those five points from last week conceding this loss on the road and then targeting the next two against the Blues and Saders. Shit, they got a tough run home. So maybe a bit of gamesmanship on display here. Not sure if I rate it though. In regards to the Chiefs, I expect them to have all hands back on deck. A Rolls-Royce lineup, the Ferraris pulled out of the garage and no doubt they will be chomping at the bit to rip in too. So with that considered, I'll be back in the Chiefs to get the dub in this game. Right some wrongs, get back into the winner's circle. Bit of a shame we don't get to see matchups like Geordie vs Anton, Artie vs Sam Kane and some of those other all-black head-to-head battles that fans love tuning in for. Certainly takes a bit of a sting out of the encounter, but again, in World Cup, yeah, it is what it is. The final two games of the round, you have the Tars taking on the Drua and the Force taking on the Brumbies. I won't be watching either of those. Fair to say instead, I'll dip into some Sky Sport Now highlight packages, but I will be hoping the Drua can get the upset, propel themselves back into playoff contention. It's their last away game before they finish with two straight in Suva, so a win or a bonus point at least would be a great result for the razzle-dazzle drawer and could set them up for a famous finish that sees them playing finals footy. And then finally to finish on the topic of rugby for the week, I just wanted to mention as well the passing of Billy Guyton, a true tragedy and again another life taken far too soon. 33 years old, a good footy player, but more importantly, seemed like a great bloke. It truly is heartbreaking, and it's another timely reminder that if you are struggling mentally, please reach out to your mates, family, loved ones, or anyone you feel comfortable talking to. I know it's easier said than done, 100% I acknowledge that, but I just hate hearing these stories, and we all have our own battles, so let's not take them on by ourselves. There's a saying that says a problem shared is a problem halved so please if you're in a bit of a rut times are feeling a little tough reach out because as men in particular we can't keep having tragedies like this occur and my heartfelt condolences go out to his family friends loved ones and ex-teammates extremely sad stuff and I truly was heartbroken seeing this pop up on social media early in the week rest in peace one of the greats Billy Guyton 
Weekly wrap time now, and of course, conference finals. They're here in the NBA with the Heat and the Celtics advancing from the East, and the Lakers and Nuggets advancing from the West, setting up two mouthwatering series and actually a repeat of the bubble playoffs from 2020. And the fact we have two sides from the play in in the conference finals in the Heat and Lakers just goes to show how impressive both those sides have been on this playoff run and yesterday we were treated to a spectacle in game one of the West with the Nuggets holding on late against the fast finishing Lakers side to win game one at home in a high scoring shootout 132 to 126 with both teams locked in offensively and the Nuggets actually setting a franchise record for most points through the first three quarters they had 106 already and that was largely off the back of a Joker masterclass man is this bloke a freak and at Oranges alone he'd racked up 19 points with 16 boards and 7 assists becoming only the second player in NBA history to produce a 15 plus point and 15 plus rebound first half in a playoff game the other was actually Tim Duncan who scored 22 points and 16 boards also against the Lakers in the 2002 Western Conference Finals he didn't stop there either the big Serbian finishing with numbers of 34, 21 and 14, a human cheat code, he can do it all and the quality of shots he gets for his teammates is truly unmatched in the league, he makes role players like KCP and Brucey Brown look like all stars, must be the best bloke to play with, the way he elevates the performances of those around him is truly second to none and that is what makes this Denver side so dangerous. I mentioned both teams, they were locked in offensively, the Lakers shot an impressive 55% in the loss, which is no easy feat. Austin Reeves, Austin Powers and Rui Hachimura, they were locked in in particular, they combined for 40 points on 15 or 25 shooting. That is exceptional, but it was a disappointing night for D'Angelo Russell, which was the deciding factor for me. He went 4 of 11 shooting for only 8 points and proved to be a real non-factor for the visiting side which they simply can't have happen again for both teams the stars showed up the big two with AD dropping 40 points 11 boards and two blocks and LeBron finishing one shy of a triple double with 26 12 and 9 and then on the other side of course you've already heard about the Joker's night but Murray was great too his 2IC he dropped 31 points on 12 of 20 shooting including four three-pointers a huge night from him and this actually marked just the 12th time in Nuggets history that two of their players have scored over 30 points or more in the same playoff game a real key to victory and I think I said the other week they've won 11 straight whenever Murray had totaled over that 30 point mark so hopefully the Lakers can look to lock him down in game two so moving forward I thought the Lakers made some great adjustments in the fourth quarter that really does give me hope that this series is far from over the switch of Rui onto Joker on defense that was extremely successful it allowed AD to roam the paint and help on Jokic whenever he got into his drives and as a result he went from going five from five shooting in the third to making none of his two shots in the fourth and if it wasn't for the performance of Murray down the stretch I think the Lakers would have won this game off the back of that adjustment which seems crazy to say the Lakers they only actually led this game once and that was off the back of the opening bucket of the game so the fact they pushed them this close really does give me 
plenty of faith. Hopefully they can look to roll out that adjustment again. Early doors in game two. Try and slow down Joker a little. And then they just got to pray. Guys like KCP, Murray and Bruce Brown don't shoot at as high of a clip as they did in this game. And then also hope they still get those contributions from Reeves, Rui and maybe Russell. Boy, would that be nice. In terms of today, we have game one of the Heat taking on the Celtics with these teams meeting for the third time in the last four years in the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's fair to say they're pretty familiar with how each other work. The Celtics, they have home court advantage. And for me, the key to victory for them and their X factor will be the performance of Jalen Brown because I back Tatum and Butler. I think they're going to cancel each other out, both playing unreal at the moment. But for me, Brown, he's the third best player in this series, just ahead of Bam. So if he can play at the elite level he has so far this season, and then you couple that with guys like Brogdon, Smart, and White also all chipping in. I think the Celtics could have too many weapons in the duffel. In saying that, though, all of the pressure, it is on Boston. Miami, they have nothing to lose in my eyes, and the fact they're even here in this finals is a massive win for them, so it's going to be really interesting to see how all of this plays out. And other news in the NBA, Ja Morant, he's back to his old tricks, flashing guns again on Instagram. And it looks like he could be facing a lengthy suspension as a result. What goes through this bloke's mind is beyond me, of course. He set out for a large majority of the back end of this season and you could argue that he cost Memphis a deeper playoff run. The man went to a private school, but he seems determined to live that thug life lifestyle and geez, it could cost him hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's pretty clear that whatever they did last time as a punishment clearly didn't work so watch this space and I suspect the league is going to come down pretty harshly on young Morant and then the other big news also happened yesterday with the San Antonio Spurs winning the NBA draft lottery and Greg Popovich getting his hands on his guy the French sensation Victor Wembenyama old go-go gadget the biggest prospect to come out of the draft since LeBron and what a get this was for the Spurs and for me this is a great outcome for both parties Pop and the Spurs have a great history and track record of developing young French stars and it also means that Victor he will be under the tutelage of one of the greatest coaches in the game's history so a win-win and I can't wait to see how this plays out I'm excited to see Victor step up and see how his thin but extremely talented body can handle the rigours of the NBA and when you team him up with fellow young guns like Calden Johnson, Devin Vassell and Trey Jones. The Spurs look to be forming a nice little young roster there that could be a force in the NBA in a couple years time. If anyone can develop this talent, it is pop. So stay tuned and exciting times. For basketball fans. On to some other sports now. Of course it is your weekly wrap. Not just NBA segments. The New Zealand Sevens team. They did the double again in Toulon. With both sides clinching their respective World Series titles. And it was the first series win for the All Black Sevens in the last nine years. So a huge result for both teams. One year out from the big dance. The Olympics. And for the men's side, they bet Argentina 24 points to 19 in the final to win the series with a tournament to spare. With Roderick Solo scoring the decisive try in golden point extra time. And that was our first series win since 2014. And our fifth tournament win out of the 10 so far this year. So that's extremely impressive considering how fickle of a game sevens can be and also how tight 
and competitive that men's competition is. And then for the Blackfern Sevens, they'd already clinched their women's series earlier in the tournament. They only needed to reach the quarters to collect the trophy, but that didn't stop them from kicking on, reasserting their dominance and showing they are well and truly top of the pops in that world. It was their sixth straight tournament win. They bet the US in the final, 19 points to 14. And in doing so, they sent off one of the legends, one of the greats, Noel Williams, off as a champ as she looks to switch codes and join the Titans in the NRLW. What a talented bunch this team is. And then finally to finish, a quick shout out to the Black Jag, Carlos Olberg, who as predicted, sent a clear message to the UFC light heavyweight division that he isn't here to mess around, taking only two minutes to get the dub in his first fight of 2023, knocking out the Ukrainian Ihor Pateria with a devastating left hook that sent him stumbling to the canvas and from there on out, she was all out ground and pound and good night nurse the ref had seen enough and I must say it was a pretty unusual end to the fight too. Olberg, he basically called the fight before the ref did, stepped away from Ihor, allowing the ref to step in and wave off the fight before he inflicted more damage. Perhaps a bit of sportsmanship from the Kiwi there, hadn't really seen anything like it before but it was a great win for Carlos. He's now on a four fight winning streak with his two most recent wins both being by first round KO too so he's doing it emphatically and hopefully this sets him up for a shot at a top 15 ranked opponent in the near future because it's clear for all to see he's been mismatched so far he deserves a big fight so hopefully Dana White and co reward the recent success. As usual, finish up with the Q&A before we call her a day. First one comes through from Brother Yin who says, What do you see in our next Waz lineup after the bye against the Broncos? Will we see Mitch Barnett? And I think I addressed this a little earlier on in the pod, but unfortunately I don't think we will. Of course, he's targeting that Redcliffe game round 14. So I think for the Bronx, our returns will be a Braden Villiarmes, potentially Luki Metcalf, Ronald Volkman, Jackson forward. Mitch will be the week after hopefully Koss and Tamare Martin not far behind him and then Jazz Tavanga in the weeks to come maybe in five or so and then we'll be back to full strength but can't wait to see Mitchie Barnett back out there I feel like a lot of people have forgotten how good of a player he is when you talk to Warriors fans you mention Mitch a lot of them just say shit forgot about him can't wait to have him back he gives us that middle second row option really adds some more starch and aggression to our pack and our pack been performing so well without him but he really is a grouse footy player can't wait to see the ex-Newcastle enforcer back in Warriors colours and I know he's chomping at the bit to get back out there one of those blokes who hates being injured so fingers crossed round 14 we see him rip in unfortunately not against the Bronx but we'll welcome him back at Lesko Media Stadium Mount Smart when we pump the fins in front of a sold out house there's only about 500 or so tickets left of been told so if you haven't got them yet for that game make sure you get in there now she will be a sellout that's for damn sure your next question comes through from Travis Moody and he says are you a go home to shower after training type of guy or a shower in the sheds person and do you run the communal footy shower soap or is it BYO? Yeah, good questions there, Travis. As always, love the creativity. To be fair, I'm always a shower at home post-training type of bloke, and not a lot of our team actually showers in the sheds after training. Of course, after games, it's mandatory. It's your go-to. 
and I'm all about that. But post-training, typically just jump in the car. We normally finish it up about 8.30. She's pitch black. As of late, it's been pissing down. So can't wait to get out of there. Kimbo, she's usually got dinner ready. Appreciate that as always. Come home, shower, feed into bed and that's it on a Saturday though of course straight after the game in there with a cold one gotta love it Leon Rouge in hand nothing better in terms of your soaps normally we just run the old communal of course not the blocker soap more the body wash I think if you're running the communal blocker soap that can get a bit scat body wash sometimes you even get the old Lynx Africa which is a real treat you can tell one of the lads got it in the old Christmas or birthday gift packs I never bring it to be fair I'm a bit of a shocker often forget my towel or a change of undies in the old footy bag so remembering soap is the last thing that's on my mind but yeah I'm communal body wash type of operator chuck her in the middle let the boys go for it and you just got to hope someone brings it each week so great questions there Travis mate hope you're well horse good to see you rocking some surly kit as well cheers for the photo roost one of the great New Zealanders regardless that you support the Crusaders and your final question comes through from Tim Gore and he says what's your take on waterbeds and look that's a great question and to be fair I've actually never encountered one in real life and all my 31 years on planet earth and boy am I showing my age there I've never come across a waterbed seen them on movies seen them in photos but never had the privilege of lying on one to be honest I think they're pretty weird and the fact that I'm a restless sleeper would have me believe it would be a real nightmare to hear the sound of water splashing around every time you roll over would certainly be a bit of a different feeling I'm more of your go-to run-of-the-mill sleepy head Sealy's type of mattress just your bread and butter type of operator boy a mattress is getting expensive as well but that's probably a topic for another day so to be fair I think they're strange but who am I to judge I've never actually laid my head on one so if you're a big waterbed operator I'd love to hear from you get a bit of feedback perhaps it's something I should try in the future although it just seems such a weird concept but hey Again, whatever floats your boat, almost literally in this case. And a great question there, Tim. Would love to hear your opinion. If you give it a five-star review, might have to hit up Trey Me. Although buying a second-hand waterbed sounds equally as scat. So maybe we leave that for another day. Right, that's us for another week of Surly Talk Sport. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If not, really appreciate you listening anyway. And I'll catch you back here next week. Shout out as always to the legends at Sky Sport. Now, if you're watching your sport this weekend, there's only one destination to do so. She's the home of sport streaming, live or on demand here in New Zealand. Everything you want, nothing you don't want for a fraction of the price of your usual Sky subscription. So make sure you get around them and use the code SURLY10 for a cheeky little discount as well how good is that as always enjoy your thursday night footy tonight enjoy the playoff basketball this afternoon on espn and i'll catch you back here tomorrow to talk some punting and keep tipping you out some winners boy was last weekend a successful show hopefully you're tuning into that potty there's jam tipped out galore to have the old account sitting pretty but go well enjoy your thursday how good big fizz